Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached word of God in agreement to the scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from the pulpit of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. you you may be seated and while you're finding your seats if you'll go with me to the book of judges chapter 15 book of judges chapter 15 how many enjoy this moment of prayer that we have together on Sunday mornings amen I, I really enjoy the different perspectives that each one of them brings unique to their own talents. Brother Toby, Brother Brian, Brother Allen, and Sister Chelsea, I've always looked forward to what they have to say because they don't get up here and just read something and say a prayer. They, they put a thought with it, and I appreciate that, that, that people care about something enough to put a thought to it. Praise the Lord. And what a word, if I may say so publicly, what a word from Sister Amy Townsend last Sunday. My goodness. My goodness. I'm not a mother, but I went home with bruised toes. Praise the Lord. She spoke to me, and I appreciate that. If you're a guest here this morning, thank you so much for being with us and And if you're joining us online, thank you for taking the time to be with us this morning. Book of Judges chapter 15 and verse 18. And he was sore thirst and called on the Lord and said, Thou hast given this great deliverance into the hand of thy servant. And now shall I die for thirst and fall into the hand of the uncircumcised? But God clave a hollow place that was in the jaw. And there came water thereout, and when he had drunk, his spirit came again, and he revived. Wherefore he called the name thereof in Hakor, which is in Lehi, unto this day. In our series this morning uh, concerning God and our judge and king, we're going to talk about the subject of Samson's cry. And I think there is one thing important to realize, and that's the truth about God. God wants us to realize our need for Him. And though God has given you and I the Spirit of the Holy Ghost, and we have that living inside of us, we still have the need to cry out to Him in times of distress. And I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful God gives me the opportunity. I've heard pastors say often, I'm glad He didn't just give me the book and say, here you go. I'm I'm glad he lets me call on him because I I need him. And even though I have the book and even though I have the Holy Ghost, I'll be honest with you this morning. I struggle sometimes and I need the help of the Lord. You know, time and time again, we read stories of people possessing wondrous works of art, you know, priceless treasures that they have and they don't even know it. Perhaps they got it passed down to them uh, through inheritance. 
But there was some archaeologists who found some ancient writings in the land of Israel, and they were on some stones. And those stones was used to build a house. And those that were constructing the home failed to realize that the cornerstone that they used once served as a part of an artifact commemorating the victory of a great king. The monarch may have lost his kingdom a long time ago, but the memory still lived on, waiting to be discovered. For generations, the stone failed to fulfill its intended purpose of proclaiming a great victory. There have been entire libraries of ancient writings that's remained hidden until modernization led to the building of a subway or some other project where they were unearthed or reclaimed. Construction rather than archaeological excavation led to the, some, some of the most important finds in history. Many people try to advance their civilization, civilization have found items of enormous value hidden right beneath their feet. How many has ever been to the beach and you see the, the beach combers with their metal detectors? They've unearthed ancient coins and weapons. They've found wedded rings and jewelry and that once was important to some owner. But now it's lost forever. The beautiful beach often acts as sands of time, transporting us to a place that we're long gone from but not forgotten. I know we've all heard stories of people going to garage sales and swap meets or auctions and buying seemingly something ordinary that turned out to be a priceless work of art. Sister Chelsea spoke of that this morning. And at these garage sales or flea markets, how many like garage sales and flea markets? Well, God bless you. I'd rather be drugged down the highway by my toes than have to go to a garage sale. Not, not that you can't find treasures there. That just is not my cup of tea. We were shortly into our marriage when Jenny was going to take a vacation and uh, had no money, so she had a bright idea of a garage sale, and we could sell for vacation money. So we gathered up all this junk, and I put it in a horse trailer and hauled it to town to a lot that my brother-in-law had, and we sat up there one Sunday morning about 7 o'clock with some tables, and she displayed everything out. She had spent all week, you know, with one of them little price tag things, pricing it. And, you know, there was stuff for a dollar. And you've, you've all been, you know what I'm talking about. And so about 2 o'clock, we have made probably $10 by 2 o'clock. <laughs> and I couldn't sell ice water to a man in the Sahara Desert. That, that's just, I can't, I'm not a salesman. I always come up on the short end of the stick. But I was amazed at the people that would come by and something would be a dollar. And they said, would you take 50 cent? And I'm like, man, it's a dollar. You know, you're getting something for a dollar. There was a bicycle. Jenny had had a bicycle there, and I think she had $15 on it. And so this gentleman, he pulled in with his truck, and he had a trailer behind him. And he wanted to give me $5 for the bicycle. And so I was going to be a wheeler and a dealer. And I said, no, $15 for the bicycle. Well, we went back and two, back and two. I said, I got the deal of the day for you. I said, you can have the bicycle. He said, free? I said, free. But I said, with it comes everything you see here. 
I want it all loaded up, not one thing left but these tables. And so we begin loading it up. I told Jenny, I said, I've got rid of it all. And she said, what, 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 how much did you get? I said, I got rid of it all. And we loaded that stuff on the trailer, and we folded up the tables and was heading home. She said, well, give me the money you got. I said, honey, there is no money, and I will never, ever be involved in it. If you want a garage sale, you want your own, because that's, that's something that I will never do. But there are stories of people buying things at flea markets or garage sales, and they have kept these items in their possession for many years, and they didn't even realize what they had or what it was really worth. We read of important historical letters being found in like antique desk. Or did you realize that the first issue of an action comet featuring Superman was found in the wall of a house? We read of paintings that were hidden under another painting on a piece of canvas that was worth a great deal. These stories all reveal that many people do not know what they truly possess. And as a result, they devalue the valued. They fail to treasure their treasures. And what they view as no real prize transforms into a prized possession when they recognize exactly what it's worth. In thinking about these situations that I've read to us this morning, you and I must realize what a prize, what a treasure we truly have. And we must realize our need for the Lord. We have someone to cry out in our time of need, but we often remain silent. I said just a few moments ago, I am thankful for the Holy Ghost. I'm thankful for the Word of God that He gives me. But sometimes, if I may be blunt, that's not enough for me. I, I need Him. I need Him to calm me and to speak to me. And we have a God who will help us when we have no strength on our own. But I'm guilty. I am guilty of failing to appreciate my need for Him. In our time of need, we need to lift our voice and call on the Lord. In our reading this morning of Samson, Samson holds a unique distinction among the numerous leaders that populate the book of Judges. Of all the judges, Samson only received God's call. He was the only one to receive God's call before his birth. The man of God appeared to Samson's parents and told them of this amazing child who would come into their lives, and he also gave them instructions on how to raise this child. God's prenatal call of Samson has yet another layer of uniqueness. Most women in the Bible, and you can all think of stories of the Bible who could not have children, they cried out to the Lord. They, they took their petition to the Lord and begged God for children. However, Samson's mother did not. She did not choose to pray and ask God for a child because the Lord had grown tired of the Israelites falling into sin time and time again and being delivered in the hands of the enemies. And so they would cry out to God and God was, he was at his wits end with it. And as a result, God told the Israelites, he said he would no longer save them. And he said that their prayers would be in vain. Now that's a scary thought to me. To think that I can come to this altar and pray to the Lord 
and my prayers would be in vain. If we look at the scenario of why their prayers were in vain, we see that the Israelites kept falling into sin, kept falling into sin, kept falling into sin. And we have to be very careful. I've heard pastors say often, instead of praying for forgiveness for something, if we're struggling with it over and over and over, it might be time to ask for deliverance from that. But as a result, God told the Israelites, he says, I'm, I'm not going to save you anymore. And Samson's parents more than likely did desire a child, but they had heard what God had said, forbidding their prayers, so they chose not to pray for a child. But the Lord did intervene because God cherishes the Israelite people, and he called Samson before birth and placed his calling on him before he was ever even born. Despite his unique calling and story, Samson failed to always recognize his need for the Lord. And maybe God perhaps put Samson in uncertain situations to teach him a lesson. This strong man with weak resolve needed the Lord whether he knew it or not. And I fall into that category sometimes with Samson. I, I feel like that I could be a strong man, but sometimes I'm weak and I need the Lord. And I think we could all find ourselves at that point, at sometimes in our walk with the Lord. Many depictions of Samson show the biblical judge with muscles and, uh, you know, a physical stature, uh, one that you can only get through working out every day in a gym or, or in, in eating in a diet that would coexist with it. In other words, they show Samson as a muscle-bound hero, sort of like the Hulk. He's just not green. These images are probably a long ways off of what Samson really looked like. Rather than being on the cover of a muscle magazine, Samson probably looked just like ordinary men like we do. But in his appearance, he was more the mild-mannered Clark Kent. When you first looked upon Samson, you didn't see this great warrior that could kill a bear and kill a lion. You didn't see the, the power and the strength that he had because that power and strength come from the anointing of the Lord. The Spirit of the Lord made all the difference in Samson's life. Samson discovered his power when a lion sprang on him as he walked near the vineyards of Timnah. The Spirit of the Lord empowered him as a young man and he tore the lion apart as if it were a goat. The Bible tells us in the book of Judges chapter 14 and verse 5, then went Samson down and his father and his mother to Timnath and they came to the vineyards of Timnath and behold a young lion roared against him and the spirit of the Lord came mightily upon him and he rent him as he would have rent a kid. He had nothing in his hand. I want you to keep that in mind. No knife, nothing. He had nothing in his hand. And he tore the line as if he were a kid, meaning a goat. But he told not his father or his mother what he had done. He accomplished an amazing feat without a weapon just in his bare hands. I, have you ever thought about what it would be like to, to, for a lion to jump out on you and scare you to death and you have to kill that lion with your bare hands? I was a teenager in high school and we 
we hunted in tree stands. Brother Allen and my, my father, they would scout, and we had tree stands, and I had the bright idea. They had spent a lot of time, you know, scouting a trail, and I had a standoff in a pond, but it was rough to get to. So I said, well, I'll just put a sack of corn on my back, cut a hole in it, and I'll walk to it. And then all these varmints is going to eat all that corn up, and I'll have a clean trail. I went one Saturday morning early before daylight, and as a teenager often does, I forgot my flashlight. So I was walking, and it was black powder season, so I had one bullet. I was like Barney Fife. And I was walking down this trail that I had poured all this corn into, and I reckon I stumbled upon a hog that was sleeping. Now, I'm sure he wasn't but about 30 pounds, but it, I thought he was 300. And when my toe of my boot hit that hog and he come alive, my, I, I walked on air to get back to my pickup. I throwed my gun down and left my gun and run back to my pickup truck. And I waited till daylight, went back and got my gun. But Samson, he had accomplished this amazing feat without a weapon. The account offers us another insight into Samson's uniqueness. Several times in the book of Judges, the Bible speaks of the Spirit of the Lord being on judges to deliver God's people. However, the Spirit of the Lord came mightily, or it rushed on Samson to give him this strength. The phrase also described how the Spirit of the Lord moved on King Saul and King David. All three of these men felt a rushing, mighty wind of God's Spirit. I've often wondered if that was akin to the feeling that we get with the Holy Ghost, that, that feeling that we get when the power of the Lord comes on us. Given this line speed and his might and his power, I'm sure that Samson had very little time to react. But the Lord protect him, and he, if you will, supercharged him when he needed it the most. I just, again, I couldn't imagine walking through the woods and having to react in the blink of an eye to fight off a line. I couldn't even fight a hog. While this great feat revealed the spirit that was running through Samson's ordinary-looking muscles, the situation may also explain Samson's mindset as we continue, as we read of his continuing adventures. Samson's easy access to the spirit, stay with me here, may have caused him to take the Lord for granted. And I wonder how often we can come into this house and the power of the Holy Ghost moves so strong and it feels like it comes so easy to us. And we take for granted when there are people all over this world who have no idea what this feels like. They have no idea what you and I experience. And I, I pray, I, God, forgive me. Don't let me take advantage and don't let me take for granted the ability to fall on my face before you and feel your spirit. I, I would shun the day that I fell on my face to God and didn't feel nothing. I, I, would, I, would, I hope I never encounter that day. But if Samson could defeat a lion without much of a thought, he might become thoughtless and careless in his relationship with God, neglecting his relationship with God. Samson focused on his sinful relationship with a Philistine woman in Timnah, who he planned to marry. When the days of their wedding 
feasts begin, he may have felt the stares of the Philistines who saw him as an interloping Israelite coming into their territory perhaps. Samson prepared to one-up his enemies by showing them his mental superiority. Samson challenged the Philistines to a contest of wits and presented a riddle to them. And most of us are familiar with this. Out of the eater came forth meat, and out of the strong came forth sweetness. Judges 14 and 14, And he said unto them, Out of the eater came forth meat, and out of the strong came forth weakness, sweetness. And they could not in three days expound the riddle. So he, he gave the Philistines seven days to solve this riddle. And after a week, they still could not come up with the answer. They threatened to burn Samson's fiancée in her father's house if she did not help them solve this riddle. This unhappy bride-to-be accused Samson of hating her. We all know the story because he refused to tell her the answer because Samson kept many secrets to himself. While others may have bragged, Samson didn't even tell his parents about the line. He told his fiancée that he had not shared the answer with his own people. Nevertheless, she pleaded and she begged and she coerced him into providing the answer. And what does she do? She informs of the answer to save herself from the Philistines. And they solved the riddle just before the deadline. What is sweeter than honey and what is stronger than the line? And the men of the city said unto him on the seventh day before the sun went down, What is sweeter than honey, and what is stronger than a line? And he said unto them, If ye had not plowed with my heifer, ye had not found out my riddle. You know, sometimes we, we need to be very careful when dealing with situations. Just like Delilah kept on at Samson, the enemy will keep on at you and I. And what Samson should have done uh, in modern terms was told her to go kick rocks. And sometimes you and I, or I won't cast you into this, this ring with me, sometimes I shouldn't toy around and I need to learn to plant my foot firmly in the ground and say no to the devil. I'm not compromising. I, I will not allow this to be watched in my home. I will not, I will not wear this. I will not go there. I've committed myself to the Lord, and I'm going to obey His commandments. And so now the fun and the thrill of this wedding was ruined. Samson owned his enemies, owed his enemies the reward for their answer. And once again, the Spirit of the Lord, here God comes again, providing Samson the strength. And he killed 30 Philistines to provide the garments for his unfairly lost wager. In life, we often find ourselves in seemingly unfair situations. We might even feel so angry that we wish we could teach people who hurt us a lesson, who hurt us. We have to rebuke these desires for vengeance and instead trust the Lord. Because we all are smart enough to know that violence is not the answer, no matter how justified we may feel. Don't raise your hands, but I'm sure everyone in the house has wanted to throat punch somebody on more than one occasion. But that's not the answer. I think it speaks, uh, 
I think it speaks more of us when we can turn and walk away from the situation or de-escalate the situation. And then that's when people truly see the Spirit of the Lord that is in us. And that's when the truly the Holy Ghost will shine in us. While the Lord does give us strength, strength to defeat our enemies, like Samson, we still have authority over our enemies in spiritual warfare. I've never had the Lord come over me and give me all kind of strength to lift up the front end of a car or something of that nature. But I have had the Lord come over me and give me spiritual strength. Through prayer and fasting, we know that we are made strong by God and we will come out winners in a difficult situation. It's often said, no matter what we go through in life, and life can throw us some curves, that's, that's clearly evident. But we've read the back of the book, and if we will stay faithful to God, He will stay faithful to us, and we win. We win in the end. By reading the Word of God, we, do, we discover the power of trusting in the Lord, no matter how dark or how scary the situation seems. God has the power to deliver us even when we feel overpowered by those who come against us. God can provide answers when we look to the heavens and when we only see a cloud-shaped question mark taunting us like it's some riddle that we can't solve. When our enemies threaten us, God can save us. But sometimes rather than cry out to God because we're mistreated, we have to call on the Lord to change our attitude. You know, I'm, I'm guilty of putting myself in a lot of uncomfortable situations because of my attitude. You know, it, it matters how we respond to stuff. It, it matters how we react to, to different situations. Many people in the world will use, we all, or maybe not all, but most have social media. And um, I shake my head sometimes at the, comments that you'll see of people voicing complaints or voicing their opinion. And I, I'm not against uh, voicing your opinion. I feel like we live in a free country and we have a right to free speech. And But they complain of some injustice and how terrible the world is. And, and uh, I often wonder if they stepped out from behind that keyboard, Brother Darrell, what would they what would they really do? You know, if they had to, if they had to encounter the situation face to face, would they be so bold as the words that they just typed? Prayer is is more powerful than any post or tweet, and I would pause right there and and say that this morning. I would always recommend that before you post or tweet or whatever it may be, if it is not something that the Lord would approve of you typing out. I think we ought to reconsider. In a world where easy answers seem to be at our fingertips on a phone or a computer keyboard, more than ever, we must, we must have to recognize our need for the Lord and rely on Him. Samson consistently found himself needing God's help. The Philistines lived near Israel's coast and they kept encroaching into their land and Samson treated them as friend and foe. And then so this mighty man of God found himself in conflict with frenemies. They were friend and enemies. And when Samson left his wedding feast, his bride's father gave his daughter to the best man because 
he thought Samson hated her. This is almost like some novel you would read, some fictional novel, but this really happened to a man. And when, when Samson returned, his would-be father-in-law offered him a younger, prettier daughter to Samson, but he refused her hand in marriage. And so now Samson, he feels cheated, and he sought to get revenge on the Philistines for ruining his marriage. We all know the story where Samson caught 300 foxes and he tied their tails together and set them on fire. And he set the foxes loose in the Philistines' wheat fields. And Judges chapter 15 and verse 1 reads, But it came to pass within a while after, in the time of wheat harvest, that Samson visited his wife with a kid. And he said, I will go into my wife into the chamber. But her father would not suffer him to go in. And her father said, I verily thought that thou hast utterly hated her. Therefore, I gave her to thy companion. Is not her younger sister fairer than she? Take her, I pray thee, instead of her. So now this bride that Samson has married, he's come home to, to see her, and he finds out that she's been given up to another man. That would be a little bit shocking, wouldn't it, men? And Samson said concerning them, Now shall I... Be more blameless than the Philistines, though I do them a displeasure. And Samson went and caught 300 foxes and took firebrands and turned tail to tail and put a firebrand in the midst between two tails. Again, what a miraculous feat when you think about taking 300 foxes. I don't know if I've ever seen 300 foxes in my lifetime, but to take 300 foxes and tie their tails together and turn them loose. And so when the Philistines realized it was Samson that had done this and burnt their crops up, of course, they returned to the fiancé's house and burned it to the ground, killing her and the father. Judges 15 and 6 said, Then the Philistines said, Who hath done this? And they answered, Samson the son-in-law of the Timnite, because he had taken his wife and given her to his companion. And the Philistines came up and burnt her and her father with fire. So Samson's fiance, she tried to avoid the Philistines' anger by giving in to their demands. But in the end, they still acted like the murderous heathens that they were and murdered her and her father. And sometimes the enemy will perch himself up on our shoulder and tell us how green the grass is on the other side and all that you could do. And, and if you didn't spend all your time with the church, if you didn't spend all your, your money to the church, think of the things you could do. And th you could have that bass boat sitting in the yard if you didn't pay tithes every week. And it's lies like that that the enemy will convince us that our lives would be much better off with the Lord. And then before you know it, we're living in sin and He has wreaked habit. And he, we all know the Scripture. He's come to kill, steal, and destroy. And make no mistake about it, the enemy wants to have the head of every man, woman, and child in this house. He has one purpose, and that's to take you and I to hell. And He will do everything in His power to do that. Now, Samson, he's even more enraged than he already was, and he vows to avenge the deaths of his fiancée and his father. So Samson struck the Philistines down hip and thigh with a great slaughter. The phrase hip and thigh means he attacked them mercilessly, 
striking them with great blows. The Philistines showed no mercy to the innocent. And so when it was time for Samson to wreak havoc on them, he granted them no grace and no mercy. After that, he felt like a superhero who had avenged the death of his loved ones. And Samson believed he had no reason to continue fighting. And he made his way to the cleft of the rock at Edom. That's what we read in our opening text this morning. And his surviving Philistine enemies eerily knew they were far from danger. They, they raided Lehi, telling the men of Judah that they had come to bind Samson. 3,000 men of Judah found Samson in the cleft. They told him they came to bind him and hand him over to the Philistines. It was a bold move, but Samson, he could have arrogantly asked these men, you and what army are going to tie me up? But instead, he agreed to go with them as long as they promised not to kill him for themselves. Judges 15 and 11 says, Then 3,000 men of Judah went to the top of the rock Edom and said to Samson, Knowest thou not that the Philistines are rulers over us? What is this that thou hast done unto us? And he said unto them, As they did unto me, so have I done unto them. And they said unto him, We are come down to bind thee, that we may deliver thee into the hand of the Philistines. And Samson said unto them, Swear unto me that ye will not fall upon me yourselves. And they spake unto him, saying, No, but we will bind these fast and deliver thee into their hand, but surely we will not kill thee. And they bound him with two new cords and brought him up from the rock. Sort of sounds like the devil does us today. He'll tell us all the good that we can accomplish if we'll just let him tie us up for a little bit, and then, then he leads us off to the slaughter. When the Philistines approached the tied-up Samson, the Spirit of the Lord again rushed on him. And Samson felt like a human torch. His arms were like flamethrowers as he had caught fire and he melted the ropes off his hands. And though Samson usually fought barehanded, we, we read that of his killing of the lion, this time he found an unconventional weapon, the jawbone of a donkey. And this mirrored some unusual fighting strategies of Shamgar who used an ox goat in Judges 3 and 31 and Gideon who won his victory with jars, lights, and trumpets in Judges 7. And on this day when Samson picked up that jawbone, he killed a thousand of the enemy, 1,000 men. And despite achieving such a fantastic victory, Samson soon discovered he still needed God. Because after the battle, he would find himself about to die of intense thirst. Samson cried out to the Lord, asking the Almighty why he would allow him to die after winning such a great victory. And God provided, again, Samson with the much-needed water from the spring. The refreshing place became known as in Hakor, the spring of the collar. And although Samson's parents did not cry out to the Lord for a child because the Lord had refused to their, the cries of Israel, but Samson restored the cry of God to Israel. And you and I must have to cry out to the Lord in our time of need. Sometimes we achieve a great spiritual victory only, discover how, only to discover how costly it was for us. And and we're human. Sometimes we feel burnout and we do need rest. But we've got to call on the Lord. Samson did not rely on his own strength and assumed that he needed, did not need the Lord. And sometimes 
we make that mistake. Sometimes we, we think that we're stronger than we really are, but we are never so mighty that we do not need the Almighty. I don't ever get to the place where you think you're stronger than you are because it's dangerous. You know, if you were perhaps an alcoholic, and I don't say that disparagingly to, to anyone, but, you know, and you wanted a Coca-Cola and you was going through Fort White, the first place you come to there is a package store, and I am sure that they sell Coca-Colas in there. But even though the Lord has delivered you, even though you're full of the Holy Ghost, you would be a fool to go in there and put yourself in a position to buy a Coca-Cola instead of going on up to the Jiffy store. And sometimes the devil will paint a picture that we're tougher than we really are. And so we put ourselves in situations or we put ourselves around people that are doing things that we have no business being a part of and no business doing. And before you know it, the devil winds and weaves his way into our life and then, and then there's trouble. At other times, we fail to call on the Lord because we feel weak and we, we lack the faith that God will answer. We feel ashamed because we've committed a sin knowing we have neglected God and we believe we have no right to His mercy. And that, that's a lie from the enemy. That's, that's what I have to do the second. If I find myself making a mistake, I've got to fall on the, my face before God then. Ask God to forgive me. If, I, if I've said something I shouldn't have said in the hardware store, when I get out to my truck alone, I, I, I've, I can't wait till tonight. I need to ask God now to, to cleanse my heart. Even if we have little faith, even if, if our faith is at an all-time low, we must cry out to God. He will strengthen us. If we feel shame, cry out to God in repentance. Even if we've not served the Lord as we should, and I'm not justifying sin, but we can still come boldly to the throne of grace and obtain mercy. We know that from Hebrews 4 and 16. Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. No matter our situation, we can always call on the Lord. I'm thankful today. How many are thankful that when you find yourselves in a situation that you can call on the Lord? That's a tremendous feeling. But I don't want to ever get to the place where I'm only calling on the Lord when I'm in trouble. I want to call on Him every day and let Him know, it's me again, Lord, this is Jerry, because when I am in trouble, I want Him to recognize my voice when I do call on Him every day. No matter the situation, I want to always call on the Lord. Joe was having lots of difficulties in life. His work situation strained him so much that remaining in his position at work seemed impossible. His relationships with family members felt fractured. No matter how hard he tried, it seemed he just could not bridge the gap, and Joe found little time for church. I think sometimes we all could be a Joe. He felt angry and frustrated at the end of his rope, and in his desperation, he asked his pastor over for coffee in hope that the man of God some had some sage words of advice for him. Joe greeted his pastor at the door and offered him a seat on the couch and as he began to share the details of his difficult situation. And when both men eased on to the cushions of the couch, the couch shifted. 
Joe said, I'm sorry, Pastor, the leg on this old couch is broke, and I used a book to fix it, to prop it up. As both men rose, the pastor eyed the broken couch and the book propping it up, and the pastor wisely spoke. He said, Joe, I think I know what your problem is. And now Joe is just excited because here comes his pastor with this wonderful word, and he just knew that he would have the answer. So the pastor kneels down by the couch, and Joe thought that the pastor wanted to pray, so he also knelt. Instead, the pastor reached for the book that Joe had used to prop up the couch. And when the pastor pulled out the book, he wiped off the dust, and Joe could see the title, Holy Bible. Joe, you've been using the wrong You've been using the Bible to support your couch, but you haven't allowed the Bible to support you. And the Word of God is a strong foundation. You're struggling because you have not used the Bible for its intended purpose, and it has cost you dearly. Suddenly, Joe realized the answers to all of his problems had been right next to his feet as he sat at the couch. The Word of God stated that Jesus had put all things under his feet. Joe, however, had not trusted in the power of God. Like Samson, Joe chose to use the promises of God for something less than its intended person. While Samson found victory and thirst-quenching salvation in an unconventional way, he never fully embraced the call of God on his life. And Joe had done something similar. He used the Bible for a temporary and an unconventional fix. In doing so, he turned one of the greatest forces for good into a mere prop. Fortunately, recognizing his foolish mistake, Joe asked the pastor to pray with him before he left. And after the pastor left, Joe dusted the Bible off and he began to read and he recognized that God used this situation to show him he needed the Lord above all else. You know, it truly is, if you would stand with me this morning, it truly is a sad story, the story of Samson and all his great feats and all that he had done and all of the power that would come on him uh, when the Lord would, would strengthen him. In the end, he was made a fool of. His eyes, we all know that his eyes was plucked out and they used him for sport and for game. And although he did, kill more of the enemy in his last feet than he did altogether. I find it just devastating the way that he had to die when if he would have just heeded the call of the Lord in his life. Think of the feats that he could have accomplished. And I wonder how many times we have ignored the call of God in our life when God has needed us to do something for Him, to be a part of the kingdom, and we think that we are not equipped or not able. I admonish this morning as we close in prayer to, to ask God to, to let our ears hear, and not only let our ears hear, but to let our our souls do what the Lord has in store for us. Would you pray with me this morning? Father, we love you, and we are so thankful for the spirit that you put on us. But God, I don't want to get accustomed to that. I don't want to take that for granted. I want to know that I can call on you at any time in my life. I don't want to just call in times of distress, God, but I want to make a place, a, a regular place, God, where I go and commune with you, and you know it's me, and you hear me, and you recognize my voice. I'm thankful for the power in my life that you give me, and I want to recognize that I do need you at all times, Lord. 
And I pray that in the name of Jesus. This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, please feel free to call our church office at 386-935-2806 or you can visit the contact link here on our website. Again, thank you for listening and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family.